From the earliest trading networks, even before colonization, to the Belt and Road Initiative, the connection between the Philippines and China is ever-present throughout our history. Owing perhaps to the geographical proximity, the influx of the Chinese to the Philippines has resulted in the settlement of many Chinese and the formation of the distinct group that have been indispensable in Philippine economic and social life, but have also been subject to much controversy. In this episode, let's talk about the Chinese and the Chinoy in Philippine history. I am Aaron Maliari. I am Lee Candelaria. And I am Peg Alpor. And this is Podcast, Conversations in Philippine History, Politics, and Society. We are at the penultimate episode of our season. Ang bilis, di ba? Oo nga. Thank you sa lahat ng nakinig at sa maraming mga words of encouragement and of course, sa mga suggestions. Yep. So, for today's episode, we have another important and ambitious topic to discuss. Ambitious kasi hindi talaga natin makukover lahat ng aspects. Pero let's try to at least scratch the surface. We will talk about the Chinese and how they have been represented in Philippine history. Ang hirap talaga nitong paksang ito kasi bukod syempre sa representation at historiography ang pag-uusapan natin dito, may complexity pa kasi we are gonna be talking about a population na nakaranas rin ng so much controversy, madaming expulsions, and even massacres directed towards them, at questions of loyalty na rin throughout our history. Oo nga, pero as Jojo Abinales and Donna Amoroso framed it in their book, State and Society in the Philippines, the Chinese were always, especially during the Spanish period, necessary outsiders. Yes, and syempre, dahil na rin sa current global conditions where we see the continuing rise of China and the current relationship niya with the West and the immediate neighbors, plus the territorial disputes that the Philippines has with them, uh, talagang bound to be complicated itong topic natin today. So how do we start? We can start with what I mentioned a while ago. Yung sinasabi ni na Abinales at Amoroso na necessary outsiders and why so? Okay, so if we are to look at the long history of engagement between the Chinese and the natives of the Philippines in terms of trade, the connections date as far back as the 9th century. Robert Fox's Archaeological Record of Chinese Influences establishes the trade between China and the Philippines. The earliest Chinese to come to the Philippines were the ones who looked at the archipelago as the greener pasture and settled in coastal communities to remain active in trade. The Chinese who married into the native population would be classified later on by the Spaniards as the Chinese mestizo. Yes, and these trading networks that have been established between China and the Philippines have endured throughout centuries. So even the Sultanates of Mindanao had missions sent to China. During the colonial period, the Chinese were present in both the galleon trade, di ba nga, minsan pa ang tawag sa mga galleon ay now the China. Kasi ang majority ng goods na naging mabenta sa trade ay mga Chinese goods. At dahil kinailangan nila ng silver from Mexico dahil sa economic policy shift sa mainland, talagang nanatili at nagprosper ang Manila-Acapulco trade. And then, sa economic zone sa Sulu, sabi nga ni James Warren, yung Sulu zone na tinawag niya, andun din ang mga Chinese involved in that trade between the Sulu Sultanate, the British, and the Chinese. 
This economic importance but seemingly otherness of the Chinese have always been a thorny topic to discuss. Kaya nga supposedly, the Spaniards you know, wanted to keep an eye on this population and thus constructed the Parian in the 1590s. And this would be the oldest Chinatown in the world. And some historians claim that the Spaniards have always been wary of the Chinese kasi uh, sa tingin nila, baka i-endanger ng mga Chinese yung mismong colonial state kasi baka i-take over ng China yung Pilipinas. Kaya nga daw, yung mga canons sa intramuros at this period nakatutok sa parehan. And throughout the centuries of Spanish rule, the Chinese in the Philippines have also been subject to administrative policies. Uh, there were taxation measures for them specifically if they did not convert to Christianity. Restricted nga yung movement nila dahil dun sa parehan, uh, kasama na din dun yung economic activities nila. Tapos malamang may racial discrimination din. Sabi nga ng isang historian na si Richard Chu sa article niyang The Chinese Mestizos of the Philippines Toward a New Interpretation. The Spanish colonizers classified the natives as Indios and the Chinese as Sangleyes. No? But in the middle of the 18th century, they established a separate and legal category called, yung sinabi ni Beck, Mestizos. No? So, to categorize the growing number of Creole offsprings na nag-intermarriage between the Chinese and the indigenous women. While initially drawn for tax purposes, sabi ni Richard Chu, this division soon affected uh, rights to travel, property ownership, and participation in government. For such rights, now, the division was twofold. The Indios and the Mestizos shared the same rights while the Chinese did not. Yun yung sinabi ni Richard Chu. And actually, yung Chinese Mestizos, they were a very Hispanized population. Pero dahil nga naka-separate category yung mga Chinese and they were really discriminated, maraming mga naganap na mga Chinese revolts na tinugunan din ng mga Chinese expulsions and harsher policies. So ilang beses nalipat ang location ng parehan, uh, may mga time na nasunog at ayun nga umabot din sa point na may policies of outright expulsion. Indeed. Pero the Chinese communities and economic activities persisted. Several 19th century sources confirmed the increasing participation of Chinese mestizos in the country's economic life. As Thomas de Comines in 1810 noted, the Chinese mestizo was, quote-unquote, an industrious caste, master of most of the wealth, with intelligence and energy to increase their funds. They are found in possession of the best lands and most lucrative internal trading, end of quote. And that there was no denying that, quote, This industrious and knowledgeable people will be able to draw itself a mass of money of great significance. End of quote. Spanish diplomat Sinilbado de Mas also observed in 1842 that the Chinese mestizos could be counted as the Philippines' middle class as they are proprietors, merchants, and educated people of the country. He also predicted that within a century, they will grow to at least a million in population and will possess the greater part of the wealth of the islands. Oh, diba? Diba? So, mula pa nung Spanish period, nandun na yung madalas na characterization sa mga Chinese bilang mga entrepreneurial people talaga. No? So, and then, when the Americans came, one significant policy that we can mention was the 1902 Chinese Exclusion Act. 
No? So, first, ethnic Chinese immigration to the United States and its territories was already disallowed then as it should be in the Philippines. No? So, the newest U.S. possession. So, inadopt nila yun dito sa, sa colony. No? So, the CEA, the Chinese Exclusion Act, was to be implemented in the Philippines because the Chinese supposedly were a threat to U.S. economic interests and a hindrance to pacifying the Filipino insurgency. No? So, in 1902, Brigadier General Arthur MacArthur reported to the U.S. Congress that if the Chinese were to be admitted to the country during its, quote, formative period, which is now in progress of evolution, end quote, they would soon have, quote, direct or indirect control of pretty nearly every productive interest to the absolute exclusion, sabe, of Filipinos and Americans. So the United States claimed that, you know, the CEA brought about a more pro-Filipino economy. On the contrary, the CAA actually strained Filipino-Chinese relations because the United States failed to see the unique experience of the Chinese in the Philippines. So ultimately, the CEA was a failure and resulted to the influx of Chinese merchants leaving a less engaged Filipino to be more interested in politics and the Chinese gaining substantial control of the economy. During the Japanese occupation, naman, several Chinese guerrilla groups fought the Japanese with Luis Tarok regarding them with high esteem. Mm. O, oh, diba? So, talagang ever-present sila. Pero gusto ko lang mag-backtrack ng kaunti kasi mahalaga yung isang point ulit ni Richard Chu sa pagtingin sa Chinese in the Philippines. No? So, sabi niya, kailangan careful tayo sa pagtingin sa kanila as a homogenous group. Kasi they definitely were not and are not. No? So, sabi nga niya, at the turn of the 20th century, quote, their life choices and lifestyles reflected an identity that was flexible, multiple, and ambiguous. Napakahalagang point niya, ano? Kasi uh, ang tingin sa mga Chinese, parang laging mayaman lahat. In fact, sa recent dissertation ni Jelly Galang ng UP Diliman, tiningnan niya yung mga Chinese na hindi mayaman. Bagkus ay mga laborers, mga petty criminals, etc. So, hindi lahat ng Chinese sa Pilipinas ay yung mga Henry C., Lusutan, etc. Agree. Which only shows how truly complex the history of the Chinese in the Philippines ought to be thought and written about, ano? Lalo pa nung post-war siguro na mas complex ang global history, lalo after 1949 when Mao turned China red. So nung panahon ng Cold War, may iba na naman ang dynamics ng history ng relationship natin with China. I agree, lalo pa nung magdeklara ang Taiwan uh, na nagkasarili sila. So sa international relations, paano ba natin itatrato yan with the one China, two systems, di ba? Tapos yung recent demonstrations pa sa Hong Kong and then syempre yung Belt and Road Initiative and Build, Build, Build ni Duterte. So mula pa noon hanggang ngayon, nagbabago ang konteksto kaya mahalagang ma-reflect din ito sa kung paano natin tinitingnan ang representation ng mga Chinoy sa kasaysayan. Okay, so I think we can also talk about yung isa pang very important and complicated aspect. That which is about identities, yung pagiging quote-unquote Chinoy or Chinese-Filipino. Oo nga, isa pa ito talaga sa madalas rin mapag-usapan either overtly or tacitly, di ba? Lalo na yung usapin ng loyalty. Yeah, kasi dyan din papasok yung aspect ng language na halimbawa ang daming Chinese schools na nagtuturo talaga ng Mandarin or Fukien. Uh, may mga Chinoy households din na talagang converse in Chinese. Tapos kahit yung 
quote-unquote great wall sa dating, di ba? Na may mga Chinoy families talaga na ang preferred na mapangasawa ng anak eh, mga Chinese din. Di ba? Kaya yung exclusivist quote-unquote character, minsan nabibring up din. Pero di ba nga, paano nga ba natin irireko ng usapin ng loyalty? Naalala ko yung isang very powerful scene sa pelikulang ganito kami noon, paano kayo ngayon? Yes, directed by Eddie Romero. Classic. Oh, one of the greatest Filipino films, I think. No? So, anyway, so yung eksena na sinasabi ko, yung particular scene between Kulas, yung character ng very young and very fresh, Christopher De Leon, at ng kaibigan niyang si Lim, no? so isang Chinese. No? So, sa pagdating ni Kulas sa Maynila, dun sa pelikula, nag-usap sila, tapos sabi ni Kulas, nalaman niya na Filipino pala siya. Kasi nga nung 19th century, di ba, yun yung context supposedly ng film, Turn of the Tenth turn of the 20th century. No? So, ang yung mga Filipino ay yung mga insulares or minsan yung mga ilustrado, they claim the term. Pero si Kulas has always identified himself as Indio. Pero dahil sa mga conversations niya sa Maynila, nakita niya na Filipino pala siya kasi pinanganak siya sa Pilipinas. Sa, so, yun yung realization niya. No? So, sabi ni Lim sa kanya dun sa usapan nila, Filipino din pala si Lim, sabi niya. Filipino din pala ako kasi pinanganak ako at lumaki dito sa Pilipinas. Tapos, ang sagot ni Kula sa kanya, ay malinaw na inchik ka ah. Diba? So, in thick uh, Batanggenyo Tagalog accent. Yeah, I remember this scene. Mahalaga talaga tong film na ito eh, about identities. And, you know, our listeners, you should watch this film. So, di ba dun sa turn of the 20th century context na supposedly dinedepict ng film, may ganoong conversations about identity at malinaw na contested na rin talaga ang identity ng mga Chinoy. Yes, at talagang ever-present rin yan sa popular culture like films, ano? At sa isang article nga na sinulat ni Caroline Howe na pinamagatan niyang Conditions of Visibility Resignifying the Chinese Filipino in Manopo and Crying Ladies. Observe niya yung complexities ng identities ng Chinese. Sabi ni Hao, and I quote, Chinese-ness has been reconfigured over the last three decades in line with the shifting geopolitical, demographic, economic, social, and cultural terrain of the Philippine nation-state. End of quote. So, in a way, to, to fully appreciate and, you know, appraise the identities of the Chinoy, kailangan talaga natin siyang ilocate sa local, national, regional, at global contexts. Diba? Ang hirap, no? So, pero yeah, I remember din yung Manopo, lalo na yung Manopo 1, yung complexities ng characters ng mga nandun. Kasi yung character ni Maricel Soriano, halimbawa, siya yung heiress to the empire ng pamilya. Tapos, na-imbibe niya yung isang mindset ng patriarch na huwag makisali sa politika. At ang sabi pa nga, puro pera lang daw ang tingin sa mga Chinese. Tapos, yung isang character played by Ami Austria naman, tibak ng martial law. Tapos, yung kay Aramina, yung character niya, ang identification ng character, Chinoy. Chinoy siya, so naiinis siya sa pamilya niya kasi ayaw kilalanin yung relasyon niya with the Pilipino. Tapos, yung character ni Chris Aquino, caught in between na nagtatry mag-assert ng voice pero na-overpower lagi ni Maricel. No? So, ang ganda din talaga nung, nung Manu Poan. Then, yung crying ladies naman, more on the cultural and how the Chinese negotiate their traditions in the local Philippine context. So, di ba, kapag pinag-uusapan ng identities at allegiances ng Chinoy, we can never look at it as black and white. Kasi sabi pa nga ni Hao, sa films rin na Manu Po, na-depict yung ambivalence toward nationalism. 
particularly sa karakter ni Vera or ni Marisol Soriano, lalo na nung nag-climax, spoiler alert, ano? Tapos, nagkaroon ng kidnappings. Walang tiwala si Vera sa gobyerno kahit sinasabi ng gobyerno na tutulungan sila kasi Filipino rin sila. Sabi ni, sabi ni Vera, pera lang ang tingin sa mga Chinese kaya pera ang papaganahin niya. Bayaran na lang kasi hindi naman talaga sila mapaprotektahan ng gobyerno. Diba? So, napakahalaga nung, nung popular culture depiction sa mga Chinese at hindi lang din pati dun sa mga pelikula kahit yung mga nai-import na mga palabas, no? nakaka-apekto rin siya dun sa uh, perception ng mga Filipino doon sa, sa mga Chinese. So, I think maganda na magkaroon tayo ng isang season siguro ng history and films. No? After na mabasa natin yung mga ganitong article ni Caroline Howe, pwedeng-pwede talaga tayong tumingin sa mga pelikula at kasaysayan. Alright, so I think the complex history of the Chinese and the Philippines reflect the very complex history of Philippine-China relations, Philippine history itself, and even global history in general. Indeed, so questions about identity and loyalties ought to be carefully nuanced and carefully navigated. So hindi ito simpleng black and white, there are so many shades of gray. We only scratch the surface and there are still a lot that we could discuss. So if you guys have any suggestions and comments, please continue engaging through our social media pages and follow podcasts in Spotify, Apple Podcast, YouTube, etc. Next episode, we talk about another important question of representation in Philippine history that pertaining to indigenous peoples in the Philippines. Alright, so that would be our season finale already. Ano, yung episode na yan. So thank you for your continuing support. Until next week and have a good day! <music>